0: Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanacademy.com. That's McClanahanacademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class 10 minutes of American history when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanacademy.com, enroll That's shopify.com slash special offer. What is the most important issue for the left? Well, of course, it's power. And we'll talk about that on this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B R I O M McClanahan.com. Or you can just go to at Brian McClanahan. Find them all there. But while you're at brianmcclanahan.com, you can give me that email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanacademy.com. You've already heard about that. But in the month of June, The year 2023, you can get 25% off every class at McLanahan Academy. And that's going to be something you want to do if you're interested in getting into it because there will be a price increase in July. You're going to see that, so the prices will go up. But right now, you can get these classes for the best deal you're ever going to see them again. So capitalize on that. Take advantage of this opportunity to get these classes for a steal, at 25% off of these prices as they stay in June of 2023. So the coupon code is JUNE. Go to it. You can also support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com, clicking on the support tab, throw a few pennies my way. If you're watching on YouTube, click on the super thanks button on the video. You can go to Spotify for podcasts or subscribe there. Lots of great ways to support the show financially. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to that podcast. Let so people know you love it. Share it around on social media, give it that five star review, leave a text review wherever you can, comment on YouTube for the algorithm, that's how we get more eyes and ears on the show. Alright, well, Victor Davis Hansen has written an interesting piece in American Greatness. Now I agree with him in his principle, the fundamental point that he makes in this particular piece, that everything the left does is about power. There's no altruism in their in their motivation. They're not doing this because they want to help people. They're doing it because they want power. You see, and the more power they can they can pull to themselves arrogate to themselves, the better off it's going to be for them. Now, I do think there are some principled people on the left. I will say that. I mean, I think there's some people that are just and they're dedicated socialists. But at the end of the day, socialism is just another type of power grab because you're trying to force everyone to bend to your will. It's another quest for power, and it's an ideology. An ideology, at the end of the day, really is about power. So what kind of power do you want to have? Now, this piece by Hansen, though, is also interesting because he's blind to the entire origin of this stuff, and Davis Hanson is going to be that because he's a Lincolnian. The first time you see an extreme expression of this, of course, is the war in the 1860s. That war was about power. It's always been about power. The Republican Party did not have to try to force the South back in the Union. They could have let them go. And there were many people in the North, abolitionists included, who said, why are we fighting to keep these people in the Union? Isn't this what we wanted These deep southern states are out. They're gone. Uh, We do have slave states still in the Union, but they're going to be such a minority that, of course, it was thought that that could be easily remedied. So why are we fighting to keep these people in the Union? That's coercion. That's power. Well, of course, Lincoln could have let the states go, but he would have lost his power because the Republican Party would have died. The Democrats would have then become ascendant. The Republican Party and their nationalistic agenda, their American system would have all, which of course came from the Whigs, would have all gone down in flames. So Lincoln chose his party over the union, and more importantly chose the power of the Republican Party over the union and over the lives of about a million Americans. Power became important. It was a quest for power. Even after the war is over, Hiram Rhodes rebels, the first African-American sen- uh, senator, wrote a letter to Ulysses S. Grant stating this. Look, I'm a Republican, but what you all are doing is about power. All you want to do is use this as pawns. It's about maintaining your own power. This was clear in their policies and their agenda. Now, again, you can find exceptions to this. This is what people will still start playing the what about game and the exceptions. But the overall position was power. Let's use power to coerce the other. So when Hansen goes through this piece, keep that in mind because he misses the clearest expression in American history of this quest for power on the left. And remember, the Republican Party in the 1860s was on the left. They weren't conservatives. This is why I've said over and over again, the most destructive force in all of Western civilization is the political left. They always have been, and they will do anything to gain and maintain power, including kill people for it, because it is a mental disorder for them. They have to have this control. They have to have this power. You can't have people think otherwise. You can't have people do things you don't want them to do. It's It's the Yankee mentality. You can't have that happening. They have to conform to you or you're not happy. I mentioned that this week. Imagine wringing your hands, staying awake at night. Oh no, Uh, democracy is threatened by the Supreme Court. Imagine that. Imagine that's what you do every day. That you want to control people so much that you worry about this. So... Let's talk about Hansen's piece because I find it interesting. Again, this, this blind spot that he has for his own worship of Abraham Lincoln. If you're going to worship Lincoln, you're going to get this stuff. He says, Why do so many liberal climate activist grandees fly on private jets? Why do these those who profited from Black Lives Matter have a propensity for estate living? Or why do the community activist Obamas prefer to live in not one but three mansions? these are good questions. Of course, people have been asking these questions since, <laughs> for the last 50 years. As you've had the elites, the establishment, really take over in both parties. This is the appeal of George Wallace back in the 1960s and 70s when he started looking at running for president, because exploring that and actually running, because he was tapping into this, to this blue-collar angst that people had, working-class Blue-collar angst about the elites and the middleman getting squeezed on both sides. That's why Wallace was so popular. And who capitalized that in 1980? Or Ronald Reagan. And in a way, Jimmy Carter capitalized that in 1976 when he was elected president. Hansen says, the answer is that calls for radical equity, power for the people, and mandated equality are usually mostly sloganeering for those who enjoy power and the lucre it brings, and wish uh, to. And their wish is to augment both for themselves. The result is that the issue du jour of mandated equality often becomes secondary, if not irrelevant. There is neither fear of inconsistency nor hypocrisy, given the central theme that governs a leftist party line is political unity. Or the ends of power always more justify, more than justify the hypocritical means used to obtain it. Now, they don't worry about hypocrisy because there's no accountability. No one holds them to it. The, the right will claim, they'll show the hypocrisy. They'll show the people flying on the private jets. They'll show all this stuff. And then what happens? Well, he's right. The left doesn't care. It's more about power and the right never capitalizes on the opportunities they have to expose these people and get rid of them because if you look at the debt ceiling issue well they capitulate they capitulate so the accountability is the issue not the hypocrisy but the accountability spout racialist nonsense for 40 years Harass women and young girls by blowing in their hair and squeezing them too tightly? Create a family grifting syndicate to leverage foreign cash in quid pro quo fashion? Praise racial segregationists? Joe Biden did all these things and more. But he also did them in service to a supposed double cause, sort of like the current board president of the NAACP, promoting a black travel ban to Florida while he lives in Florida. Keep political unity in mind and the baffling hypocrisy of the left Uh, makes all too perfect sense. Political utility, excuse me. So, yeah, it's about politics, about power. These things are talking points to get people to go in directions so that you can gain power. Political utility. These are talking points. And I think many Americans see it, which is why they become so disillusioned by politics, they stop caring. Because their opinion is, well, what am I going to do about it? How are we going to change this? We can't. So that's the point. They have just decided they're just not going to worry about it anymore. But this is where Think Locally, Act Locally can come and get involved. Because you can change things there. And many states are doing this. This is what's driving the left absolutely mad. And why are they mad about it? Because they have no power over that. That's what I mentioned on uh, on the podcast this week about the courts. Well... Uh, the courts, this is why lefties are mad about the courts. It's what that proposal was. We can't, the courts can't invalidate any federal law but they can invalidate state laws because it's about power. Once you get that in your mind all the things they talk about become irrelevant. It's just like the Charlie Brown want, 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 want. You know all they're saying is power, 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 That's it. So it's about for the left. And even the progressives on the right. Now, don't get me wrong. The nationalists on the right do the exact same thing. January 6th versus the Summer of Love. From all the tens of thousands of January 6th Capitol protesters, a small percentage entered the Capitol itself. Of that group, an even smaller number committed violent acts. Most of those seriously injured that day were among the protesters themselves. Despite official propaganda, there were not five police officers killed on January 6th, as alleged by the left. This is true. There were none killed that day. No police officers. Were killed that day, as alleged by the left. The one guy died later, uh, and not because of injuries he sustained that day. We know this, but of course, this is political theater. Why did they want to do this? Because it's about power. You have to have the theater. You got to keep the barricades up and the and the ballistic shields there, and you got to have all this stuff because it's theater. It's just like all the masking and everything else. It's all theater. It's about power and forcing you to believe a narrative, which the left openly says now, to believe a narrative and then enforce their will. Instead, the only likely death at the hands of another was the diminutive 5'2", 14-year military vet- veteran and unarmed Ashley Babbitt. She was illegally shot by a Capitol officer, Michael Byrd, for the likely misdemeanor of trespassing and illegally entering a broken window to the Capitol. Yet over a thousand protesters were arrested, tried, and mostly convicted of various charges, from parading without a permit to insurrection. Many of them were sentenced to long prison sentences. Some may spend the rest of the remaining lives, most of the remaining lives, in prison. Well, some of this, some, some of the evidence has come out. I think is going to start forcing the hand of people to get to get these people out of jail earlier. Ex- uh, you know, some of the evidence would um, uh, would. mandate that they get out of jail early because the the defense wasn't even shown some of this material. So that's an interesting part of this. And of course, the Tucker Carlson uh, episodes where he brought these things out has started moving that process forward. You don't hear much about it anymore, uh, but I'm sure it's still in the the, uh, background and people are working on this. The left has justified long sentences on three grounds. One, the protesters targeted iconic government buildings as the object of their attacks. Two, the protesters were ideologically motivated and seemed bent on insurrection to warp the political process. And three, the protesters were attempting to nullify an election by their massing at the Capitol and therefore questioned the very integrity of the 2020 election. In theory, these were legitimate reasons, but to, to treat harshly any convicted of such insurrectionary crimes... But in reality, the left cared little about its pretext justifying harsh responses, much less proving their charges. What mattered were the political opportunities offered by January 6th and the chance to leverage the occasion to consolidate power. Well, this is true. I mean, Davis Hansen is right on board with this. But again, he doesn't. The the big glaring elephant in the room for Davis Hansen is that elephant known as the Republican Party. Which did this in the 18, this very thing in the 1860s. This is nothing new for the left. The Republicans were the left. In fact, they called their opponents conservatives. This is nothing new for the political left. And the Republican Party in the 1860s was the political left. Why and how can one assume that? In 2020, for 120 days, left wing mobs led by Antifa and Black Lives Matter wrought far greater destruction and nonstop rioting, arson, looting, and assault. Over thirty-five people died, two billion dollars in property damage followed, some fifteen hundred officers were assaulted and injured, over fourteen thousand protesters were arrested. Yet few few were convicted of any serious crimes. Fewer were sentenced to long sentences, given prosecution, given prosecutors, state and federal, claimed the violence was merely a result of protests exercising their constitutional right of dissent. Yes, so where is the consistency? Well we know it's not there, because this fits a narrative about power. Left-wing politicians and activists from then-vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris to Nicole Hannah-Jones either excuse the often violent protest or urge that they continue. Of course, he has a quote from Kamala Harris, they're not going to let up, and they should not, and we should not. Nicole Hannah-Jones, a quote, destroying property which can be replaced is not violence. Far from sending in 20,000 federal troops as occurred after January 6th, the left demanded that then-President Trump not resort to such draconian measures. Note that there were lots of government properties deliberately targeted in iconic fashion. A Seattle police precinct with officers inside was set afire. A mob in Washington, D.C. tried to storm the White House grounds in a fashion that sent the president and Secret Service agents into a subterranean bunker. A historic Washington, D.C. church was torched. Violent mobs at federal and state courthouses on fire in Las Vegas, Minneapolis, and Portland. Second, none of these riots and violence were not random. Note these, viol- these, these riots and violence were not random. They were coordinated and seemed to wax and wane with some sort of precise coordination, a fact deemed useful in an election year by the Democratic left. In her now notorious self-confessional time essay, Molly Ball bragged that, quote, There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. The conversation that followed was a difficult one, Ball explained, led by the activists charged with the protest strategy. We wanted to be mindful of when was the right time to call for moving masses of people into the street. These things were coordinated, just as the left makes the case of January 6th. It's coordinated. All of this is coordinated. You had people from all over the United States in these protests. These weren't just spontaneous protests in cities of the citizens of those places, you had activists coming in from out of state, bringing in trucks of material to do this. It's coordinated. Well, we have a term for that. It begins with an I. It's called an insurrection. It's coordinated. Had Trump won the 2020 election, the left was gearing up for yet another round of violence under the pretense that the election had been stolen. In the fashion of its coordinated Washington, D.C. violence of the day of Trump's 2017 inauguration. Left wing denialism and real efforts to overturn a presidential election were certainly not new. After the 2016 election, wealthy leftists and celebrities ran television ads begging electors to reject their constitutional fidelity and the popular vote counts in their states, and instead, an insurrectionary style cast electoral votes for Hillary Clinton, ballots for Hillary Clinton. Prominent leftists from Jimmy Carter to Hillary Clinton also had been on record following the 2016 election, claiming that Trump was an illegitimate president and the 2016 election had been rigged in Trump's favor due to the hoax of Russia collusion. And I mentioned that this week, where is that? I mean, that is a real coup. What happened is the Congress used a Russia collusion hoax, a fake dossier. I mean, the the intelligence agencies knew it was fake and they ran with it anyways and impeached him and trying to get rid of him. That is a real coup. Not some people saying we need to have the uh, we need to pause and make sure that we've got the proper results from this election. No, this was a real coup from the government itself. That's the very definition of a coup. It wasn't a military coup, but it was a soft coup. It just didn't work until 2020 when they could use propaganda to their advantage to get rid of Donald Trump, and the pandemic, of course, which allowed them to do some things, while not illegal, were certainly fishy. Hillary Clinton, who paid Chris Vossiel to use Clinton-related fake sources to compile fabrications to destroy their 2016 rival, later even bragged she was joining La Resistance, the chairman of the January 6th committee that damned Trump, Supposed election denialism, Representative Bernie Thompson of Mississippi himself was an election denialist par excellence who absurdly voted in the Congress to reject George, George Bush's popular vote victory in Ohio that decided the 2004 election. So, all these people are just hypocrites. I mean, uh, Hanson is right about that, but there's no accountability for the left. Never has been, and there never will be. By any fair measure, the violence of 2020 was a far greater and more deadly threat to the republic than anything occurring on January 6, 2021. But most of the 14,000 arrested per- perpetrators who were responsible for that incredible summer of violence were exempted because their mayhem was deemed politically useful. In the same fashion, it was advantageous to turn the buffoonish capital protesters into seasoned revolutionaries. The common denominator was only the left's efforts to warp events to achieve power. This is exactly right. They saw this as an opportunity. Well, we can spin it to achieve power. And they, can, and they lie and they don't care. In the fact, they say it. When they're caught lying, well, this person didn't win, did they? That was the point. It's about power. Why else would they do it? Liberalism that loses utility if is left behind. California has, and this is a point, if it doesn't have utility, then liberalism is left behind. California has been building massive solar farms in pristine deserts and rural areas. Many spread over thousands of acres and require disruptive supporting infrastructure. In the American Midwest, these new generations of solar farms are unlike anything in our recent past. Often in size larger than Manhattan, they take out of production tens of thousands of acres of prime farmland. What is curious about all these next-generation projects is the relative silence of environmentalists to to the radical disruptions and dangers they pose to fragile and pristine natural landscapes, rare species of flora and fauna, and quality of life for surrounding rural communities. In the case of hundreds of thousands of lost farm acres, poor liberal, prior liberal advocacy for preserving America's heartland and its precious family farm acreage, and those who work it likewise go out the window. And this is true. Back in the 1980s, you had Farm Aid, right? You had all these leftist uh, you know, musicians going and playing concerts to help farmers and the downtrodden farmer. I mean, one of my favorite albums of the 1980s is John Mellencamp's Scarecrow. It's a fun album. You know, rain on the scarecrow, blood on the plow. What happened to that? Well, we don't need farm anymore because we need solar farms. That's a farm. It's just a bunch of panels out there. It's a farm, though. <laughs> so this is hilarious, right? They don't care about the farm. They don't care about farmers because that's not their constituents anymore. Those are Republican constituents. You see, they're not Democrat constituents anymore. Yet if any clean-burning natural gas plant, affordable housing development, a border wall, retirement community, or farming operation cause as much havoc to the environment as solar and often wind farms, there would arise leftist outrage replete with environmentalist-driven court injunctions. In other words, left-wing environmentalism is calibrated only by whether the left or the right is re-engineering the landscape. Title IX was an addendum to the 1964 Civil Rights Act that prohibited discrimination on the basis of sex. Though liberal lawsuits and the intervention of activist courts, through liberal lawsuits, I'm sorry, the statute soon was transmorgified into a sports equity act. Title IX then began to revolutionize high school and college sports programs by demanding equity in the sense of mandating equal budgets and facilities for women's and men's sports. The rationale was that women's athletics could only achieve parity with male sports if they were gifted the same sorts of budgets, infrastructure, and institutional support. Whatever their intent of the original statute, whether the effects of activist court intervention, the result was that women's sports did achieve a much higher social and cultural profile. So, how ironic then that a half century of athletic transformation has been completely undermined by the current r- ritual takeover of the sport by biological men declaring themselves transgendered women. The transgendered have done more damage in three years to women's sports than a century of chauvinist pigs. In almost every category of competition, track and field, swimming, team sports, prior women's records have been shattered by athletes who enjoy huge advantages in natural musculoskeletal mass, body size and weight, and innate strength. In the Cold War past, males competing as females were largely a Soviet or Eastern European phenomenon, most notably the Ukrainian sisters Tamara and Irina Press. The communist bloc, as the Third Reich had earlier in the case of Heinrich Retchen scored propaganda points by using male to males to win women's events and this is true right I mean this was seen as preposterous back in the Cold War in the 1980s 70s 80s 60s 70s 80s to do this I mean then they started using steroids and other things but to do this was I mean, it was laughable people laughed at the communists but it says something that the communists were doing this Because that's who's driving a lot of the stuff, too. I mean, wokeism isn't communism, necessarily. They share a lot of common traits. But uh, the ideology is important. It's about power. Soon in reaction, hormonal testing and eventually DNA tests were used to ensure an equal playing field for biological women. No matter. What was once a feminist issue is now considered a right-wing hate crime of insisting that biological males not be allowed simply to redefine an entire segment of American life and culture. Note that the left has sided against feminism in its near hysterical promotion of its newest cause celebrate transgenderism. Note further that biological women do not win in many, if any, events as transgendered males, despite the shibboleth that one cannot construct one's own sexual identity that will be equally equivalent to a biological one. Finally, note that there is no transgendered effort to create a separate category of trans- transgender, transgendered sports, Apparently, a Transgender Olympics or NCAA event would not offer Transgender contestants and champions the attention and lucre they now achieve by dominating women's sports. Again, equity and feminism were never left-wing positions, but simply useful, malleable issues to embrace or reject depending on where and how contemporary political advantage was calibrated. And again, he's right about this. I mean, this is all correct. Hansen has not said anything here that's incorrect, but where did all this begin? He says basically with, this but really the the again the blind spot for Hansen it's always been is the lincolnian myth of america where does it come from from that from the lincolnian myth he says read the contemporary news accounts from the 1975 76 so-called church committee a select com- uh, senate committee to expose and rectify dangerous abuses of civil rights and constitutional norms by the CIA, NSA, and at times the FBI. Most Democrats cheered the post-Watergate committee on, eager to virtual signal as civil libertarians and to stop the rogue and often politically weaponized antics of our investigatory and intelligence agencies. Well, while there were true civil libertarians, left and right, who weighed in on the committee, the general left-wing giddiness over the investigations was predicated on the post-Watergate Democratic Revival, one that ensued from riding, I'm sorry, ridding the nation of Richard Nixon and using his disgrace to discredit what were considered conservative institutions. Again, very true. Now, I would say someone like Sam Irvin was certainly a committed civil libertarian. Uh, I mean he talked about it a lot even in his memoirs when he wrote afterwards he said how could I do this and this because it was all about the same thing it was all about stopping power and the abuse of power the left is always about power they're gonna use this issue but if it's inconsistent with this issue when it comes to civil liberties they don't care because this issue is over uh, overweighs this issue right so I mean this is the point they're always seeking power and they don't care if they're seen as hypocritical or not it doesn't matter it never matters because there's no accountability. Fast forward to 2015 to 2023. Over the last eight years, it is hard to imagine any illegal act that the CIA, NSA, and F- or FBI would not commit. The directors, James Clapper, John Brennan, and Andrew McCabe, have all confessed to lying under oath. A more insidious Robert Mueller, James Comey, and Christopher Wray simply invoke amnesiac, amnesiatic excuses or plead ignorance when asked directly about the wrongdoings of their agencies or investigations. The U.S. government, along with the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign, paid a foreign national to spy on a rival campaign, compiled lies about a rival candidate, and then spread them through government and the media. The FBI arguably sought to alter both the 2016 and 2020 elections. Again, there's nothing incorrect about it. In this same eight-year period, a FISA court was diluted and an FBI lawyer altered court documents. Phone records were wiped clean. Subpoenaed devices were destroyed. Key evidence that affected a current campaign was put under FBI wraps. Agents openly texted their intent to ensure a predetermined presidential election result. Americans in general were routinely spied upon. Many were framed by FBI skull dodgery and had their lives ruined. The extent of the law breaking and the warping of elections dwarfs anything discovered during Watergate. And yet the left never objected to these violations of civil rights or the illegal freelancing of intelligence agencies. Far from it, the left cheered on the illegality. I mean, this is true. They did. Why, he says, because for them, hating or worshipping the CIA, NSA, and FBI, that matter of the Pentagon, IRS, and Justice Department was never a matter of consistent principle. Instead, these bureaucracies were deemed pathological when associated with conservatism and traditionalism, and angelic when their extra-legal efforts were put to use for the progressive agenda. Again, what is the common denominator? Power. I've mentioned that all American history can really be boiled down to this. It's about power. You go back to Daniel Webster and his debates with both Hayne and Calhoun in the nullification controversy. Webster is saying, I'm an American, Uh, I'm all about America. Well, why would he do that in 1832? Because a tariff would protect his interests at the expense of another place. And so he used nationalism as a cover for power. But just 20 years before this, Webster, not even 20 years, Webster had been a proponent of nullification to stop tariffs because they didn't help his constituents. You see, New England nationalism was always sectionalism and it was always about power. Whereas you can say on the other side of the story, the other side of the coin, this is why the Southern tradition is so attractive. It's why people read these things. They have, they get it. The other side of the coin, I think you really did have people committed to the maintenance of a real union that benefited all and burdened all equally, as Calhoun said. Now, uh, some people didn't like that because they didn't like the people that was benefiting equally or burdening equally, so they wanted to somehow crush that. But on the other hand, when you look at someone like John Taylor of Caroline, he worried openly about the fact that you had sectional legislation. He didn't want that. Didn't want sectional legislation. That would be bad for the union. The southerners were consistently more interested in a real nation. George Washington was a real nationalist, meaning that he wanted all the sections of the union to be to benefit and be burdened equally from the union. This was something that was real nationalism. Not sectionalism disguised as nationalism, which is what the North was. Even when they started writing about the Constitution and they started talking about nationalism, what they were really interested in is the power of their own section over the other political communities in the United States. And there's no difference between that, New England leftism, New England nationalism, New England sectionalism, and what we're seeing now out of the left. None. Zero. American history has always been about Hansen concludes by saying there are some grassroots leftists who are deluded into sincerely believing equity can be achieved by government confiscation and redistribution but for most of the elite the cause is a means to personal and professional power a fact that explains why one day walking on only four leftist legs is alone correct the next day just two What issue can they capitalize on to gain power? And you can see it's all the flip-flopping. It's all the things that Biden said here and then Biden said there and then Biden did this and Biden did that. Biden said these because all he wanted to be was president. Biden doesn't care. As long as he gets to stay president, he can be in power. He gets to have all the trappings and benefits and uh, pomp and circumstance. He likes all that stuff. That's what the whole game was about. Power. Power. It's always been that. It's about that for just about anybody that takes that office. Nowadays in particular. That's why Trump wants in. That's why the Obamas loved it. They want the power. You have become, as president, an American king. And you want to maintain the monarchy. So, uh, I think Hansen is correct about what's happening here. I've said it on this podcast many, many times. But he misses the real evidence going back to the 1860s. And even before that and why we had power become so important in American politics, or why we had all these issues that were important because different sections could gain power. All right. See you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.